Good morning. I hope everybody out there is having a uh, lovely spring morning. This is Rebecca Sayre, and I'm your host of the Sustainability Sessions. Today, I'm lucky enough to be coming to you from a mossy, beautiful cabin uh, out in Greenwater uh, by, uh, out, out by uh, Enumclaw and Crystal Mountain. And my guests today, all by the magic of Zoom, are... Uh, Maren Bjork and uh, Ellen Southern, who are working on projects uh, under the, the header of Green Ridges for Salmon. And I, I love these projects. They are taking the um, real simple hard workers of uh, ecology, soil, and plants, uh, and, and using these to clean up the stormwater that is generated from our bridges. Uh, Ellen was a guest of mine last year, and we talked about the first project that she did in this vein in Fremont. And now uh, the work is being done down in Georgetown South Park and off First Avenue South. And uh, it's providing a whole new opportunity to talk about equity and, and, and community engagement and cleaning up these areas and waterways, not only for our salmon, for our orca, but also for the people and communities who live and, and want to thrive there every day. So good morning, ladies. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Um, Ellen, you were my very first guest a year ago, so it's so fun to have you back, and it's so fun to have Marin, Marin uh, join. And let's talk about, um, just first of all, what? let's go to the very basics. What is stormwater? Why is it a problem? And um, just, we'll go into more detail later, but uh, how is it that, you know, just planting plants and, and getting good soils in there can actually clean it up? Yeah, so I'll go over the basics of stormwater and then we'll turn it over to Marin to talk about the plants and the, um, and the soils. But really the issue of stormwater is probably the signal issue of um, our region. And so, um, essentially, as, as we've developed and paved over um, nature systems, um, we're left with stormwater, um, rainwater, uh, running off of our, our properties, our highways. Um, and so with it carries pollution and it ends up in Puget Sound. Now, some of it gets treated when it goes to pipes. Um, but, but not all of it does go to pipes. And we have an extremely high amount um, that is coming off of our roadways and our bridges and our highways, our elevated highways, our highway ramps uh, that goes untreated. And um, there's been research done by Washington State University and NOAA um, that has demonstrated when our salmon um, swim through that stormwater um, they die within two hours. And that's some of the different species of, of salmon um, do survive it uh, and do eventually make their way back to um, their spawning grounds upstream in the watersheds, the healthier watersheds. Uh, but one of the species that is extremely vulnerable is coho. And coho is, um, 
is the main species of salmon uh, for one of the main species of salmon for commercial fishing. But we also have a lot of challenges too right now. I mean, I think everyone in our region is very much aware of how impacted the orcas are um, by the depleted um, salmon populations. And so, you know, um, part of that is is looking at um, the habitat the, the for Chinook and sockeye, which make up 92% of the orcas diet. As a matter of fact, Chinook, which is an endangered species is 82% of the orca's diet. So uh, we have a really big challenge here in protecting um, these species. And then, you know, no pun intended, but it is the perfect storm in Puget Sound. So <clears throat> this polluted stormwater runs off of our built environment and our surfaces, carries contaminants into um, our rivers and streams that flush out into Puget Sound. And, and then we, um, when that water makes its way into salt water, that's when we have the impacts of ocean acidification. And ocean acidification um, happens more rapidly here in Puget Sound uh, because of our water temperatures. Um, it's escalated when the water is cooler. So for some reason, the acids form better in cold water. And oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's not just impacting um, our fish, our, you know, our mer various marine species. It's also impacting kelp, um, which is important to mm -hmm. marine habitat. And it's really impacting our shellfish and shorelines. So, so basically, um, basically we've, got to clean, we've got to clean it up. Um, we can go, I just want to, we can go into those deep dives in a minute, but I want to just kind of get the overview. So basically, We've got pollution running off of our bridges and roadways. Um, it's, it has a lot of impacts. It also has some impacts for uh, our local communities of people that I want to get into in a minute. But uh, Maren, how is it by, by uh, restoring or recreating or mimicking natural systems with soil and, and plants, how is it that it's clean, we can clean this up and how effective is it? Good question. And um, uh, one of the same scientists that Ellen was mentioning earlier uh, with WSU. Um, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Dr. Jennifer McIntyre. Is it Jennifer? Yeah. <laughs> I had her name on the top of my tip of my tongue. Surely. McIntyre um, has, in many videos, said, you know, it's as simple as compost and sand, that just filtering our, our runoff from our hardscapes through compost and sand we actually can improve the water quality enough that the salmon aren't dying. So that's the simplest method. And then our, what's beautiful about the forest floor is that you've got the plants and you've got the microbes. And so when we get our, our water, our rainwater going through a forest and a forest floor, we're actually cleaning all that water. Not that it was actually all that polluted because it's not going over our hardscapes and our um, polluted urban spaces. But we end up with a much a filtered water at the end that's very clean. Mm -hmm. And so by mimicking this process in rain gardens, bioswales, um, our water quality treatment boxes that um, we actually are suggesting for a couple of our sites that we've been looking at are essentially a rain garden in a box. But think of it as a lasagna. You've got all your different layers, but you've got the plants, you've got the mulch, you've got soil, 
you've got gravel, which is just a really large sand. Mm -hmm. And then as it filters down and through each of those layers, it's having a chance to interact with the microbes that are living in those environments and the water is being cleaned. And so as it's coming down off of a elevated highway per se, coming into a rain um, water quality treatment box. Which is good for people out there what these are, these terms of rain gardens and bioswales. Mm-hmm. It, so, it really is soil and plants. Soil and plants. And it's essentially a dedicated space that is trying to mimic a forest floor or the forest. So the plant, letting the plants and the soil and the microbes do the work of cleaning the water. And uh, how how much in, in the project that's already been done up here in Seattle on the, on the Aurora Bridge, how much uh, is getting cleaned annually just from the soil and plants placed under the bridge in a, in a, a small area, just to give an example of the power? Yeah, Rebecca, so when we met a um, little over a year ago, we talked about the the projects in Fremont at um, Troll Avenue and 34th, and then down below um, adjacent to the Adobe headquarters. So you've got three different projects. You've got a total of um, eight downspouts. We're treating just below um, 2 million gallons of stormwater, basically off of four acres. And we were able to do some stormwater testing um, since the first phases were built. And um, so in in that case, you have this tiered system of of stormwater cells. Uh, So these bioswale cells and um, just going through three out of six chambers in those bioswales, we can remove 70% of the contaminants. Now, um, we've been running these projects on limited budgets. And so um, the five contaminants we've tested are uh, zinc and copper, zinc being the most deadly to marine habitat and then suspended petroleum products. So three okay. So we're basically talking the oil and the gas that comes off our cars and the, the copper that comes off of our brake pads yep. and the zinc comes from, that come from brake pads as well? Um, well, not yep. brake pads, but um, tires. And, yep. and actually there's been a lot of recent um, articles and, and, and news stories on Dr. Jennifer McIntyre's same work, um, studying the tire dust. So um, we know that that combination uh, is is deadly. And we also know, uh, you know, there's some some bigger ideas here that it points to. One is roadway maintenance is really important so that um, there's less breakdown of, of tire particulates. The other thing it points to in a bigger scheme of things where transportation is interconnected to water quality is it really begs the question of why we should be investing in mass transit and keeping cars um, off the road. The other thing that's in there is carbon, you know, and carbon is so bad for human lungs, but it's also what contributes to ocean acidification. And so you know, again, it's this interconnectedness of all of these particulates um, that are creating challenges for water quality and for marine habitat. Absolutely. 
Well, I think again, um, and Ellen and I worked together on a number of projects for, for many years through stewardship partners. And I just love this whole thing about how we can in our, from doing rain gardens and our public spaces and our private homes to the ability to do things like putting these bioswales and, and uh, rain boxes under, under our bridges, literally we can you know, build out habitat we can clean out, we can clean up pollution and, and basically the best, some of the best technologies to, to clean this stuff up already exists. It's plants and trees and soil. Um, and, and, and micro, actually, how do you say that? Mara? Mycorrhizae, the mycorrhizal mycorrhizae, yeah. Yeah, fungi community. Yep. So we get fungus and plants and trees and soil and we can, we can put things back in balance. Um, we, we just have a, a few minutes before we go to break, but I want to touch on with these projects that you're now starting with the bridges down in Georgetown and South Park and First Avenue South, so South Seattle. Um, you know, we're talking about some of the, the, the less economically flush, the poorer parts of our community uh, historically. Um, these, these are areas that have, have borne the brunt of uh, a lot of our city's pollution and uh, obviously this impacts our waterways, but it also really impacts the people living in these communities as well. Um, from the uh, information you shared with me, Ellen, you know, we know that people who are living in Beacon Hill, Georgetown, South Park, they live on average 11 years shorter than people who live in say Fremont or Wallingford or those communities. So doing this work also helps out the folks living in those communities. Can you talk about just, and we've just got a couple minutes before we go to break, just uh, what's different with this project is you're really uh, doing a lot more community outreach and community engagement uh, as, as you roll out these projects. Yeah, you know, I loved the work in Fremont um, and I, you know, we had a lot of wealthy tech um, companies help contribute to the costs Mm -hmm. of that work and then of course Boeing has been a huge supporter but in the course of time um, working on that project I also read about the research by Dr. Lynn Gould from the University of Washington that looks at um, the environmental social impacts um, and, and human health impacts of pollution and when I realized this life expectancy um, was was much less um, it was important for us to redirect the project energy towards human health, um, as well as um, salmon recovery. And we had the opportunity to do that um, in the Duwamish. I think it was also really important um, for us to acknowledge that the cultural identity of the Salish people and our tribes, I mean, we're, we are on the land, Marn and I anyway, here in the city, or, are on borrowed land from the Duwamish. And so it was really- I'm currently on Muckleshoot land, so. Yep, and you're on Muckleshoot land. So for us, it was just super important that um, we engage with the people that are affected most um, and that we come about it from a very respectful, inclusive way. I had always wanted to work with the Duwamish River Cleanup Coalition and Paulina Lopez, um, and James Rasmussen, who is uh, a Duwamish tribal member. And so um, we had some conversations about what this would look like uh, if we were able to work together in that community. 
Um, and also, um, before I got into sustainability and green building, I was a school teacher. So the opportunity to work with youth is always going to be a first priority for me. Um, and with the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps, uh, we were able to bring um, students ages 14 to 18 in as partners and to get them to weigh in on these important um, issues uh, that they're inheriting and, and that they'll be managing. So with that, Ellen, I think that's a great segue for us to go to break and so we can learn all about the cool things that you're doing with these young leaders and getting them involved in solving these problems. Um, but we're going to go to break for a second. Uh, my name is Rebecca Sayre. I am your host. This is the Sustainability Sessions. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. This way the wind blows and this day is done. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Are you looking for a realtor? Rebecca Sayer from Infinity Real Estate and Development in Seattle is a real estate broker with a passion for helping people with an enjoyable and successful home buying experience. Infinity is focused on empowering positive futures for each of our clients as well as the community. With a deep local knowledge in green and sustainable properties and housing models, Rebecca is committed to connecting people with the right property. She can help you access a home that will increase your quality of life reduce electromagnetic and toxic product exposure, plus your carbon footprint. Rebecca serves on the Northwest Eco Building Guild's Education Committee, where she is helping develop a series of courses for people who have an interest in living more sustainably, be it in a home or an apartment, through classes that share the tricks, tools, and resources available. To connect with an agent that serves you and your community, reach out to Rebecca at Rebecca at InfinityRed.com today. Are you planning your next move? We know it can be stressful, but at a swift move, you can relax and leave the work to us. You can put your mind at ease that your personal items will be safe throughout the entire moving process. To get a free quote from licensed professionals so you can compare and save, call us at 425-309-0577. That's 425-309-0577. So make your next move a swift one and give us a call. In these changing times, it's the perfect opportunity to learn new techniques that can bring calm back into your being. If you are ready to love living life, read Marla Williams' new book, The Being Zone. It will become your guidebook for creating the life you always dreamed of. Learn more about her book and online training program at thebeingzone.com. I invite you to tune into Lift Your Spirits Radio on the first Friday of the month for Love Living Life with Marla Williams. Call in for free coaching advice that is guaranteed to lift your spirits. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com.
Hi there. Uh, good morning. This is Rebecca Sayre. This is the sustainability sessions and I am speaking this morning with my friends and uh, colleagues Ellen Southerd and Marn Bjork and they work on some of the coolest projects uh, I think out there. Uh, in my day job I work in uh, real estate and I'm, I'm really attuned to what's happening in the land and uh, so I used to work with Ellen on some really cool projects surrounding ways that we can put what I like to call green back into the gray of these cities and, and roads that we've paved over in our community. Uh, and Ellen and Maren are working on uh, taking the pollution that is generated from our bridges uh, when we drive over them and putting them into plants and soil. And the, the results are miraculous, I think, clean, you know, with plants and, and uh, soil and uh, fungus, we are able to basically mimic uh, what the forest floor used to do and clean up our waterways, uh, reduce our pollution, uh, help protect our salmon and our orca and our communities. And uh, Ellen was just telling us about what's going on with these new projects down in Georgetown, South Park, First Avenue South, uh, really working with the local community, working with Duwamish tribe uh, to, to make sure that we are including local people in, in these projects and they're reaping the benefits. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, Ellen? Sure, yeah. So our, our partners in this work are the Duwamish River Cleanup Coalition and the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps. And we're also engaged with um, the Georgetown uh, Parks and Open Space Committee. And actually we'll be meeting the Georgetown Youth Corps this week as well. And so, um, you know, the, these folks are heavily impacted from a life expectancy rate and just the daily issues of um, under investment um, by the city in terms of communities um, and communities that have heavy impact um, based on not only industrial uses, but of course commerce and the port and um, lots of lots of carbon in the air, um, carbon pollution again from these industrial uses, but also a lot of it is is literally driven by all the trucking that goes on there um, in that area because that's you know that's where our goods and services come in and out of through our ports um, and then you know the timing of this was really um, unusual and so grateful to Boeing for giving us this grant we actually wrote this grant in May of 2019, and 10 months later, the West Seattle Bridge had um, closed down due to structure. <laughs> right, yes, that's one of the many fun things of, of 2020. So that created even greater air pollution impacts on these communities because um, the reroute through Georgetown and, and mostly through South Park put even more pressure um, from our uh, trucking systems and created even more carbon pollution. Right. And then even midway through this project, we then saw um, the First Avenue Bridge get impacted from some of the same structural issues. And so you've got a lot of literally, you know, kind of bumper to bumper traffic, um, 
and expelling more and more carbon pollution as um, vehicles uh, sit and idle in this traffic. And so it's escalated um, the air pollution in those neighborhoods. And so um, we, again, we partnered with these groups, particularly um, Duwamish River Cleanup Coalition and the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps. And we kicked off this work actually um, getting to know each other and talking about the issues of um, and importance of um, stormwater pollution and um, understanding the importance of salmon to the people of the Duwamish and uh, the Duwamish tribe. And then um, really Samarna and I developed um, an educational PowerPoint um, for the Youth Corps, we engaged the Youth Corps as our goodwill ambassadors in the neighborhood. So we kicked off with um, this stormwater curriculum uh, and then really, you know, a whole lot of listening sessions and walking tours through the neighborhood, um, looking at the existing bioswales or excuse me, rain gardens and green infrastructure projects and bioswale, there's an incredible bioswale. Um, at the South Park Bridge and developing an understanding of, um, of the pollution issues there and the stormwater impacts to salmon. And it was also really important, you know, um, we had to use a lot of different tools because of COVID. Um, we didn't want to just um, meet virtually. We really wanted to have um, in-person sessions. It, it meant you know, having smaller sessions outdoors, um, dividing up the youth core to smaller groups. Uh, but we had to clarify for our listeners out there. So the uh, the cleanup coalition and the youth core, what they do, one of the many things that they do is they actually go out and they do habitat restoration projects and 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 various other community projects. Correct? Yeah, I mean, one of their biggest projects last year was um, going around and cleaning out um, the stormwater drains. Um, to get debris out of there and to um, to get leaves off of the drains that clog um, that clog the stormwater and ca cause flooding in their in their neighborhoods. So um, and and you know again the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps they have an amazing program um, for youth teaching them. A, Again, as you pointed out, habitat, habitat is very, healthy habitat is significant to treating stormwater um, and also um, for salmon recovery um, at the water's edge. And so they do a lot of that work. Uh, I think the other thing that's really important is their funding actually provides a, a stipend for all of the youth that participate and helps take uh, financial pressures off of the families there. So they're doing amazing work. Um, and actually during this project, I mean, again, you have all these different factors weighing in in this neighborhood. So besides the bridges and, and the standard pollution that's always there from industries, then we have the climate resiliency issues. And in September, you know, the horrible air quality challenges um, that came from um, the wildfires throughout the West. Uh, that impacted all of us. Um, but when you're already a community that has significant health issues because of carbon pollution, and then you're doubling that 
with wildfire pollution. It was a big deal. And so, you know, those groups were also distributing masks. They were distributing air filters and fans to help people clean the air quality in their houses. I mean, they are just really- there, there, There's nothing other, there's nothing better than than just local community organizing around an issue, period. I, um, no, it was, it was that's amazing. That's just how it gets done. That's how it gets done. And so let's let's talk about a little bit about these specific projects. So you've got a you've, you've got these three bridges that you're working on: Georgetown, First Avenue South, and South Park. And from looking at the documentation you gave me, what what you're going to accomplish here? Again, we're talking about all these big big issues, and it may seem a little lofty to our listeners out there. But we're talking about um, when this is done. This is both really impressive, but it's both impressive in how much you're going to do, but also how with, with how little land you can clean up so much. You're going to have 12 acres of bridge and elevated uh, highway runoff um, captured into these uh, uh, basically rain gardens, which are uh, bioswales and soil cells, which are just really thoughtfully planned little gardens with, you know, water resistant plants with uh, uh, you know microbes and fungus and and soil and that's going to clean up uh, two million two over over two million gallons of pollution and restore um, 4800 square feet of habitat and that's going to transform the community that's going to clean up these waterways um, and that's going to um, create really great educational opportunities in those communities. Uh, and, and what is your timeline for this? When is this work going to get started? When's it going to be done? Ideally. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to let Maren talk about the design of these projects, but just want to clarify one thing. In Georgetown, um, we're looking at the Corson Street on-ramp and the elevated highway there. And then the bridge project is First Avenue South Bridge, but we're also looking at some public education work at the South Park Bridge. In total, um, if we were to get all of this work done, and we have met with WashDOT and SDOT about this. Um, and, we, and, and that's the Department of Transportation, Seattle and, Seattle and State. And the Seattle Department of Transportation. We'd be treating um, about 3,300,000 gallons total. We do not have a, currently a timeline um, because there's, you know, a lot of legal ramifications. And then um, we don't know what's going to happen with the First Avenue South Bridge. I mean, our different um, governing agencies are studying that now to figure out uh, what will happen there. But we've provided our research of what could be done there. And we took really cost effective approaches to First Avenue South in particular. But then in Georgetown and um, South Park, we really came at it from placemaking and how do we enhance, uh, how do we take um, environmental solutions and turn them into beautiful places? And right. so Marin is a land. So that creates open spaces for people to hang out. And yep, so yep. And so Marin, as a landscape designer, really led that effort. So I'm going to let Marin share some of our ideas. Okay, we are going to actually go, you gave such good detail there, Ella. Yeah, we, we've got five minutes before we go to break. So Maren, yeah, could you, what, what's this going to look like? How's it, how's it, how's it going to look? How's it going to feel when we're, when we're done with this? 
Well, it, it's um, so placemaking and taking opportunities to basically educate and make more obvious the processes that really can be quite hidden in a landscape. So I think it's because the Georgetown site is actually on WashDOT land, no one will actually be able to go in and hang out per se in the spaces that will have um, the water quality treatment boxes and the bioswales. They'll be able to experience it from the sidewalks. And fortunately there are several sidewalks um, adjacent to the kind of axial project that we outlined for the um, Georgetown neighborhood underneath the Carlton um, or Carson Street Bridge. Um, so we, we kind of designed a process that would, from a water quality treatment standpoint, be taking the downspouts, there's 10 downspouts on the Georgetown Bridge that would be coming down in the pipes and then we'd be kind of diverting that water out to a, a water quality treatment box. So that was the rain garden in a box, simple um, structure, treating the water and then on the easternmost portion of that, we would also uh, be able to further treat the water through a bioswale. And part of that is because there's room there to actually um, integrate that feature as well. Um, there's a number of streets that are actually intersecting. So Airport Way South, and I believe it's 13th Avenue South, is what um, tees into the spot here underneath the bridge and so the off-ramp. And so um, there's really an opportunity to gain a lot of people's attention from a project that um, has a visual impact as well. And so from a standpoint of placemaking and uh, education, looking, we kind of ex, um, examined a couple of different alternatives and kind of, kind of boiled it down to two. One that was kind of uh, a platform for looking and getting people to think about what did Georgetown look like before the, the town was built, when the meanders were still a part of the um, Duwamish River. Um, I'm sorry, the Duwamps? River, is that the right name from the Duwamish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so looking at these two different concepts, one is about how do we build great places and how do we inspire people to become active, engaged participants in their community? And the other is taking a look at what the, what was the habitat like? What what were the trees? How so the pillars that are all supporting this um, off ramp can be painted up with um, as if they were trunks of trees holding up the off ramp, mm. and then bringing people down to ground level, looking at the plants that are actually utilized in the bioswale, um, kind of offering the opportunity to become more familiar with the native palette that actually works really well in our region that can handle the wetter winters and the drier summers and that's really you know one of the probably biggest challenges with uh, rain gardens is that you you are working with inundation and then there are going to be dry periods so right. if you are irrigating and so for people who don't know when you have a rain garden which is basically an indented planting bed which is you'll, you'll see them all over the city they keep popping up instead of people having these mounded 
garden projects, they have this indentation and that's for the stormwater to flow into, percolate through, and then it comes clean on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bioswales don't all necessarily infiltrate into the ground. Sometimes there's reasons why um, if you're in a polluted area, you don't want the water actually right. percolating in or the soils don't allow for that. And so, um, you know, every site is going to be very different with the plants that are going to work best for that area. Um, and the other thing that's probably important to discuss as well is that, you know, these bioswales do need care over time. And so um, when the water does come in, the vegetation itself can actually help to slow water and can remove um, sediment and other things. And then as the water does perk into the soil itself, that is a part of the bioswale. And um, then more work is done to help filter the water and then yes, it gets um, either diverted into another pipe and pipe to its final source. In this case, it's, um, I believe it's being um, discharged to the Duwamish. Um, so, so we're basically, we're, we need to go to break in a second. We're, 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 we're bringing natural systems back into our cities, which yeah. I'm kind of a geek, but I find that really exciting. And I think that when people see these projects and see what they can do and how beautiful it is and how it just improves our communities, they're gonna be really excited. So we're gonna to go to break. I'm Rebecca Sayre, your host. This is the Sustainability Sessions. We're talking with my friends, Ellen Southerd and Marn Bjork, who are transforming the land underneath our bridges throughout our city to clean up water, uh, protect people and improve habitat for wildlife. It's pretty cool stuff. We'll be back in a minute. Your Tune in every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. for the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer. Learn from and be inspired by local leaders, thinkers, and problem solvers who are tackling the sustainable living questions through invention, collaboration, and hard work. This lively and thought-provoking show focuses on tangible, practical measures that we can all take to reduce our carbon footprint and rethink how we relate to the resources of our natural world. Don't forget, that's the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer, every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. Mark your calendars for the 2021 Virtual Northwest Green Home Tour. This virtual tour is a free, educational, interactive online event showcasing sustainable green homes, remodels, and energy retrofits throughout the Pacific Northwest. The show runs for three consecutive Saturdays, May 1st, 8th, and the 15th. The Northwest Green Home Tour provides an opportunity for members of the community to learn about sustainable building practices from the people and businesses that support it, including builders, contractors, suppliers, and green homeowners. It also serves as a way for building professionals to engage with the general public. Join them online to see amazing projects such as backyard cottages, whole house remodels, rain gardens, and learn about successful green building implementation on May 1st, 8th, and the 15th. Experience the 2021 projects by registering at nwgreenhometour.org. That's nwgreenhometour.org to custom design your tour today. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. 
To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Hi there. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Rebecca Sayre. This is the Sustainability Sessions. Happy spring. Uh, I'm by the magic of Zoom talking with my friends, Ellen Southerd and Maren Bjork, who are working on what, um, and I totally think that I'm a geek, but I think these are the coolest projects around uh, having, you know, working in real estate and working in land on a daily basis. This is the kind of thing that I, I just love that we can uh, restore habitat, uh, protect our communities, clean up pollution by bringing plants and soil and microbes uh, underneath our uh, bridges and in, in, in all sorts of places. But the projects that Ellen and Marin are working on right now are transforming the land underneath our bridges. They've already had a very successful project in Fremont under the Aurora Bridge, which is cleaning up over 2 million gallons of pollution off of, off of that bridge by, uh, by the Fremont Troll. So if you're ever walking around out there, go check those out. Uh, and now they're taking this uh, concept of green bridges for salmon, uh, salmon people, orca, everybody who benefits from it, to South Seattle, to Georgetown, to First Avenue South, to um, South Park. And Ellen was just talking about what's really cool about this project as well is they have taken the next step. It's not just about restoring habitat and cleaning up water through uh, bioswales, rain gardens, and soil cells. Uh, but it, it is engaging uh, local community youth in in figuring out the right outcomes and right designs, so that it's a really uh, it's it's a from the ground up project. So uh, you were just telling me, Alan, about the, the really great design elements and and the input sessions you had with the youth. What what did they come up with? What did they want to see? Yeah, you know, it was really interesting because the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps as I said earlier, has done a lot of work around habitat and, and has a strong understanding of stormwater issues. And so we, before we started designing some of our ideas, we took them to the original um, projects in Fremont and got their feedback on what they liked. Um, and, you know, it was interesting because they all see the value of using indigenous plant species, native plant species um, for these types of projects. So that was a high priority. Um, and also um, they really liked the sense of order that um, came from, from that design and prioritized that. Um, what do you mean the sense of order? You know, they liked some of the plant palette, but also the plant pattern. So, um, and I apologize, that is my puppy the <laughs> show today. But Never apologize for a dog. So they they really loved um, they loved the design patterns of how the plants were used in kind of concentrated colors, concentrated areas well. um, in the landscape. And you know, they have a strong interest in in some of the things Marm was talking about earlier and how the soils worked. Mm -hmm. um, they had already been developing posters 
um, in the community to tell the story of stormwater and salmon recovery. And so we they shared their posters with us um, so that you know we could even think about well, how could some of their drawings be used? How can the priorities that they describe in their posters influence design? Um, and so with that, I'll let Maren take over a little bit more of that story. Yeah, I think what was so um, great about the field trip in particular, and you know, when you're talking with students in kids, youth about, about landscape, I mean, I think one of the things that made a big impression on me before I became a landscape architect was that people notice buildings. They know how to talk about buildings. They don't necessarily know how to talk about landscape. And so until you start being asked to think about it and to think about its value and what it could be, we we don't have a chance to develop that, that conversational and um, meaningful um, discussion. So as we were out in this on site with them in Fremont, we talked a lot about placemaking as well, besides the plants. And um, I think Ellen was kind of hinting at the, the plant patterns, but one of the things that's implicit in the plant patterns is the, um, the various um, depths, I guess you should, let's see. Oh, so a rain garden is a depressed swale with different levels where water may be inundated a little bit longer on as you go from the deepest portion of the swale as it reaches the top of the hill, the top of the berm. And so different plants survive better at different levels. And so getting them to think about the patterns, to think about what plants are where and what those plants functions might be, unless somebody asks you, you don't necessarily stop to think about that. Right. The same on the same plane, storytelling in landscape is also another piece and how, um, you know, just as a rain garden may need to be different, you know, in Fremont than it would be in South Park just because of um, soils or where it's located and the um, potential in an, um, the collection area it will be receiving. Placemaking and storytelling about the people that live there is also important. So of course in Fremont and the Fremont Troll being there and a lot of these, um, a lot of the group had not actually ever been to Fremont had not seen the troll before, um, had a chance to kind of talk about what that story was, why it was kind of a, a fun uh, story to be told in that location. And, and, and that's because just, you know, background, because we were, you know, it's all about, you know, roots and that and Fremont and Ballard and that north part of the city uh a lot of Scandinavian Scandinavian immigrants settled in there mm -hmm. and the troll right. is actually it's a it's a Norwegian fairy tale pretty much yeah the three billy goats gruff yep so we we told them the story and um gave them a little context for the troll living underneath the bridge and as we walked down the hill and saw the other bio um the other bioswales, there were actually some three more goats that were integrated into an apartment landscape. And so this this opportunity of this idea of having fun with your landscape and telling stories about who you are and who the community is and looking for those clues is really important. Um, and what did so in the in the South Seattle, what did the what did the uh, I always hate calling people youth, but what did the young people um, what, what did they see? What did they, what was the story that they want to be told as you develop these projects? So, um, so one from the posters, actually, there were, there were a lot of messaging. Um, the posters were depicting messages about 
the pollution of our vehicles and the wildlife that is native to that area. And so because the South Park Bridge actually already has the water being treated by the bioswale and the efforts um, that were included from the um, Boeing when they oh, rebuilt so the bridge. So there there, okay. So, so we saw that more as an opportunity for placemaking and for education. And so um, uh, one of the kind of lower cost projects that we ended up talking with them about was the use of um, rain paint. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but essentially it's a spray. You would use a template that you would maybe cut out a, a message or a picture of a salmon and maybe words of empowerment or reminders about um, not polluting. You could lay it down on the concrete, spray the area that is revealed in the template, and then it basically repels water from being soaked into the concrete. So when it does rain, you have a reveal between the um, uh, pervious and impervious surfaces, right? So basically it's like um, hypercolor graffiti. <laughs> That's cool. Um, what's really cool too, Rebecca, is they are doing their own projects this week. They're taking stencils out this week, the new youth core, the new cohort, and doing this work themselves um, on the sidewalks in the South Park neighborhood. Cool. Well, that's getting exciting. So this is something that people can go check out. Um, I want, I want to encourage folks as we're talking about this, I don't feel like we've done the best job of like painting a picture of how incredibly cool these projects are um, and get both how simple and how beautiful they are. So I, I encourage anybody who's up in the Fremont area to go check out that area under the Aurora Bridge by the Troll. Um, and then also as these projects are developing under the Corson Street Bridge and in, in you know, the elevated highway of Georgetown and in South Park, go look for these uh, hypercolor rain resistant stencils and the, and the plants and the, the soils that these youth are designing to, to help clean up the waterways in their own communities. It's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's so empowering. And it's just, it's literally bringing the forest back into the city. I mean, it's, it, it's pretty profound and um, it, it, it works. And it's, it's pretty cost effective. It's, it's, you know, many people say that one of the best technologies we have to fight climate change is trees. And it really comes down to we could, we have all these fancy things that we've done as human beings, but the best technologies we have really are soil and water and plants and fungi and they work and they, and they bring us so many benefits as well. Health is improved. Stress is reduced. Um, community is community is formed just like by what what you're describing. Um, Ellen, you had wanted me to also talk about. There's a really what's also super cool about this particular project that is is uh, was really consciously thought out. Um, that's an expansion on what you did with the Fremont project. Is is all these um, great project partners that you've included. You've got the Duwamish River Cleanup Coalition. Um, you've got the Duwamish Valley Youth Corps, the Georgetown History Association, the Georgetown Open Space Commission, Salmon Safe, which is a project you and I have worked on together. Also, the Seattle 2030 District, another project you and I have worked on together. Um, PCC's throwing in some money to help uh, put together a video so that this can be explained visually, which is really the best way to explain it. 
Uh, Boeing has given a, a great deal of, of support to this as well. Um, anybody else you want to add in there? Well, just want to acknowledge also the Washington State Department of Transportation. You know, they don't have a funding mechanism for these types of projects. Um, funding for transportation is highly regulated based on human safety and um, and and moving people along and it's federally regulated, but they are really trying to find ways to partner with community coalitions to make these projects happen. And so, you know, kudos to them. Yeah, it's, it's always good. It's funny, I was talking to some friends of mine who are, um, I don't know, in, the, in their early 30s the other day, and it, it's, and I'm in my 40s. And so I, I, I think there's, I remember in my youth doing a lot of, um, as, as an advocate, I, I remember feeling like if you work hard, government actually works. And I've had that experience. And it seems that a lot of people a little bit younger than me kind of don't expect government to work. They just expect it to screw us over, quite honestly. And it's just, a, you know, it, it makes me happy to see community partners working together, making things happen, actually government working with with the people. And it does happen. And it's just, I just want to point that out, even if some of those folks are listening right now, that this this stuff can work and, and we can find solutions together. And this is one of those examples. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think the most important thing any policymaker can do is listen to the people that live there. Mm -hmm. The experts um, for any project are going to be the community themselves, the neighborhoods, and, and the organized groups like the groups that we worked with they're the right. experts and it's our jobs um, both on the policy side of things in government but people like Marn and I who do community planning um, it's it's just time to listen and I think if anything in this last year when we look at social equity um, and environmental justice um, we've been reminded in very painful ways that that we are um, a society that doesn't listen. And so mm -hmm. um, I really am so grateful to all the partners that gave us this opportunity to listen to the people of um, South Park and the Duwamish tribe and, um, and the folks in Georgetown. And we're gonna continue those listening sessions and we're gonna stay at it. Um, to make a difference in in our city yeah I, and i think that um, we've just got just a couple minutes left but this is like this is okay so that we just got told it's time to wrap it up um i i love talking about this stuff please go check out the uh aurora bridge project in fremont you can see how this is transforming our city and i was just going to say this is actually happening regionally um we're really in the northwest uh spearheading some really cool stuff about bringing natural systems back into our urban spaces so and thank you everybody out there who's listening um i really appreciate it i hope this has been meaningful to you all because this has been an amazing fun crazy adventure for me and i i look, look forward to continuing to do it and connecting with community through this forum uh we gotta go thanks so much everybody out there stay safe